Hey, welcome to this week's episode. This week's episode is an absolute awesome one. Who would think that I'd be doing a Christmas special um, when I started this uh, podcast? I certainly didn't. So a big thank you to you all out there who support and listen to the show. Um, so this episode is, is a special one. Uh, I tried to make it a little bit different, and it certainly is that. This is with Will Lord. Will Lord is an expert in his field. He's had over 40 years of experience uh, of, of being a flint master and prehistoric survivalist. He's done all sorts. Um, really, really interesting guy. I must say a big, big thank you to Will, who took his time out to talk to me. He didn't have to. Um, he really didn't have to. He'd been busy. He'd been away on a trip. Um, and looking at caves and all sorts, but I won't uh, but, um, uh, ruin anything now. I have to listen to find out. Um, but don't forget to subscribe to my channel and to Will. Um, leave comments, like, share. If you, if you don't comment on things you don't like or things you do like, I can't change and make things better, so, so please do below. And obviously share the hell out of it as well and, and let's get everybody behind it. Um, all the details you need to know are down below in the uh, description. So please check it out and I hope you enjoy. Okay, my name is uh, Will Lord as I'm known and my company is known as Will Lord Prehistoric Experiences or Prehistoric Survival in um, that's the way it's listed up on social media and um, I've grown up on a prehistoric site where I lived for 13 years from 1975, I'm 50 now and um, so I've been exposed to what we describe as ancient technology for pretty much 45 years of my life and leaving Grimes Graves itself was when I realised that there was a cavity in my life the Grimes Graves itself and the landscape had been filling. What I didn't know during them years was all the skills that I'd been compiling. Some of them were hunting, some of them, some of them were tanning skins and some of them were well, definitely flint napping which is the art of being able to make stone tools out of flint and even though I wasn't that good at it as a child, what I did is the practice that I put in paid dividends in the later years. So I began to start a little journey of weaving workshops into my life and going out to different shows where people had taken interest in having somebody that was representing a caveman at their show and some people actually genuinely wanted to learn some of the skills that I'd been honing. Yeah, so that's how things began. I said on the phone to you about the zombie apocalypse and what coronavirus has um, brought out. Have you had more interest in what you're up to since the pandemic because people are more into it or has it been a steady, a steady state? No, coronavirus hasn't affected me negatively. What it has done is it's put a positive spin into my um, business and it's accentuated what I can do because I've had more time to dedicate to myself instead of de dedicating it to being a deliverer of craft and skill. Um, so I literally, at the beginning of the lockdown, I began to work deer skins and this is a deer skin bag here. 
there's actually four deer skins there they've been tanned using the brain of the deer there's different types of deer here even the one at the back here is called a lyster deer and that comes from africa we've got fallow deer here a monk jack up the top and because i didn't use any modern techniques at all basically that was all brain and smoke and it normally takes around about a week to brain turn a buck skin so there's nearly a month's work just in one bag I'd heard of the brain tan before but not seen it done because um, that's still used quite a lot out in lots of Czech isn't it they still use quite a bit of that out there the locals yeah as um, far as I know anyway well there's different tanning techniques all over the world um, what you'll see is there's a new following that's been going on for well 30 or 40 years really particularly in America they never really let go of primitive or ancient technology so buckskin is very much Native American Indian by its very nature and they tan in that di dimension and then if you move out and around the world so if you went up into um, Siberia and looked at the way the Inuits tan you're getting a whole different technique there they use fish oils and all sorts of stuff this, the, this jacket here um, the material was made in Siberia that's fish oil turned full grain leather I've just constructed that into a coat that's the one you had when you went to uh, Wandorf? Uh, I had that on at Willendorf and I made the waistcoat to go to China to um, challenge Ed Stafford. But um, no, it's good quality leather, really good quality leather and it's much more... It's, it's proper leather isn't it? Oh, it's different to commercial leather. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's more tactile, it's got huge longevity to its um, um, lifespan. But then you can also move into sort of African and Mongolia and you'll start seeing different types of tannin pits where they're using um, different barks and so on. So you can still ancient technology as such. It's been going on for many, many years. I didn't realise there was such a big difference in, in leather. And then I got into falconry and then realised, bloody hell, this. I, I bought, when I first got into it, as everyone does, lots of cheap shit. And, and you know about it, all yeah. forced to bits. Then I bought an expensive glove, which I thought was a good glove, and that was made from cheap shit. And then I went into the realms of having them properly handmade and going to the blokes who really sort of knew what they were doing. And even though that sort of mass, a mass produced type leather, the, the, the difference between the two yeah. is, 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 you know, just you know, huge. And it takes you into the animal kingdom as well because you have different types of animal different uh, a male female um, like for a female red uh, sorry a male red deer during a rut season its body knows what it's likely to encounter so it builds out and it puts on a really thick robust um, sequence of fibers you've got fats that are laying and close to the skin so what you're getting is you're getting big changes going on in the skins themselves throughout the animal's life so you can pick and choose what you're going to do and what type of skin you're going to use for projects and that way you're not actually experiencing the hardship of trying to make something work when actually it's in the wrong situation for itself. Um, yeah. um, we said, you said, well you said, and I read on the, um, on the internet, I've done, a, done quite a bit of googling before I come over, um, the, f the flint napping. What's what, what would you like making? Because all the things you can make, what's your go-to thing when you're 
put it in the bank. It's not about what I'm making, it's about the particular rock that I'm actually going okay. to experience. So there's a bit of stone just laying here, right here. And that's as glossy and that's as glossy black with cortex on it. And it's an absolute joy to nap a piece of stone like that. Uh, even the whole identity of taking that down, it, once you get thin flakes and you've worked through it, the light comes through, you can see all the little particles in it. And that is going to be a more enjoyable rock on a lot of levels than something like that, this, which is a much greyer rock, you know. So each rock I sort of feel has its own, has something about it. And sometimes you'll go up to a rock and it's absolutely destroyed because nature has destroyed it, or it was never really, it never really became a high quality thing in the first place. It was always full of holes and it was full of like oceanic debris. But it, the rocks will tell you a story of time all by themselves because they actually um, they've been made on the bottom of the sea and they quite often carry within them what was on the bottom of the sea. Going a bit further forward, it's not even so much about what I can make, it's about the type of things that you um, might have the chance to see that were made many, many thousands of years ago. I have I have a stone which was made into a chopper core um, to smash up bones, which is two million years old. And when you hold something like that, you're holding um, an essence of mankind in time, and it stitches time together. Yeah. All these other things have gone, so the clothing we're not finding, not unless it's from sort of like released from the ice or something like that. Yeah, preserved. In but some generally way. the rocks are the opportunity to get the picture from the past. One of the things that I do like though, stitching back to the question, is it's a huge challenge to make an ultra thin dagger and not snap it in half. Right. Because you're whacking this rock and if you vibrate it then it will just fall into two pieces. So uh, until you stop hitting it you just don't own it. And if you hit it pathetically, actually that um, works badly against the process because what it does is it makes it ring like a bell. Okay. So you've literally got to hit it with gusto so what you're intending to come off does actually come off otherwise you just don't make tools. Right. School then. Yeah, so confidence is the your best friend with okay. I'd be right there. Thrashing stuff I can do. Confidence and accuracy and a little bit of foresight to shape that all comes in. Is there anything you wanna do like with the rocks which you haven't done yet? Obviously you've been into it for some time so you've hit a lot of goals you wanna do. But um well Yes, and I think I'm doing that. Which is, for example, I've just been out to um, I've just been out to Austria because I went on a journey to find um, I went to Vienna to meet Venus Willendorf. Venus Willendorf is a is a carving that's thirty thousand years old. I saw that, and it's it's in such good shape. And she's well shaped, and she's well defined, and the carving is good. So. I then went on from um, Vienna and I went into the Czech Republic to the Moravian Valley to find something called a Ulitic limestone and I 
found that there was many different types of rock there and eventually I settled with the fact that I'd got one and then I, when I set about it with the flint I knew that I can convert flint into tools which essentially can approach some pretty robust stone um, but I had a vision in my mind that the limestone was going to be easy to carve or this particular thing that I got was solid it was really really struggling you know the flint tools weren't standing up to it so I was going through the material that I'd taken but eventually I successfully pulled a goddess out of this stone not the Venus Willendorf but it was an adventure it was a way of taking stone and putting stone to task one of the things I'd also like to do is um, actually at some point in my life hunt with flint yeah because I, the game industry is something that I would have a hell of a lot of respect for um, I'm, I'm not um, airy-fairy about it and I don't appreciate people that just want to stick holes in animals but so that, and call themselves hunters I think that the whole industry which is your industry is a well-respected um, understandable craft and I don't think any but old body has the right to go and hunt a deer with a bow and arrow because you need to know the science behind it you need it's to get to the right position but I think it would be an extraordinary thing to do to actually put the flint tip on the bow that you've made on the arrow shaft that you've made get in the right position and actually make that happen and then use the whole deer every single piece of it up well you, yeah. there's always waste there's no denying that there's always waste but you can do your best you can use the skin you can use the brains you can use the guts you can use the bones you can use the tendons and you can use the meat and you can use the fat and um, there's going to be waste like I said but actually if you looked at the order of what you brought back out of that situation that's quite a lot of provision to yourself yeah um... I'm sure there must be somewhere you can go and do that. I could go off into Bulgaria. Um, it probably wouldn't be a deer then, it'd probably be more like a wild boar or something. <laughs> well, um, you and me with them. Yeah, well, same, same <laughs> as really. <laughs> I've seen some horror, I've seen some real horror stories then. I've got a friend who went out to, out that way, um, shooting boar, and got told not to move from where he was stood. Um, and then moved from where he was stood, and the boar came sort of straight at him, and it could have been yeah, an that. absolute nut. He got lucky, yeah, but it could have been a nasty bloody accident. It's quite interesting because sometimes when you look at uh, tribal um, leaders from um, tribes around the world, you quite often see that they have neck pieces made, and it's not an unusual sight to see wild boar tusks on their neck piece, and you can see that that's a very testimonial trophy. You know, I took a wild boar. It's like yes, because you're the man. You know. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the hunting dogs has always been my thing. A big, big lurcher man um, and terriers, um, and that's how I got into the falconry. Um, but and I to go out to New Zealand and hunt the boar with the dogs has been has been the thing that's yeah. on my bucket list. But it's done properly. I've watched a lot of videos on in America, and it's I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's cowboy, but it's yeah. <laughs> very close uh, not not my thing I suppose is, is the right phrase 
but in New Zealand they they use a dog, they hunt them up, they don't, dogs don't really sort of hit them, they sort of bay on them, keep them back and they shoot them with a rifle and that's sort of the, the way I, you know, I, yeah. I like it. But I'm quite, and again, I'm quite happy to work something, lose it and, and have a nice hunt on something and be just as happy that that got away and worked its arse off and got away from us, if you know what I mean. I'm happy yeah. with the work. But what, One of the things that being um, from my perspective and persuasion that has actually been quite enjoyable because at the end of the day a bow is not it's a very inefficient machine because you've got to get so close to use it so trapping becomes a very um, uh, sensible way of looking at the land and once you get into traps traps I know we have a modern ones but um, uh, the word associated to it is called a primitive trap because it might be used in a trial. It was just going through my mind then. But it's anything other than a primitive trap because what you're getting is what you 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 can store power into systems and you can have triggers and 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 foot plate uh, trigger releases and so you're getting hammer traps, scissor traps. Um, netting traps and and all of the different ways of actually conjuring up the possibility of a trap and it does get a broad science and it's very good fun. One of the things still used and used to very good effectiveness is drop trap. Right. So um, in a fence line you also use them quite a lot in um, stone walls so you've got a box dug in the ground with, with a tunnel going through it and what happens is when the you put a weight on the you put a weight on the on the trap, mm -hmm. so when a rabbit runs through, it can run through. Yeah, they get used to using it, and then after you know a week, ten days, whatever of it being run, or even you know even might even be six months to the next sort of trapping time, you release a, you release that brick or that that weight, and then rabbit goes through, drops straight through the hole into the box, and that is still used now. And that, you yeah, know, if, you, if you could have the, like you said the primitive route as it was talking about, that's the most primitive trap. You could ever think of, but actually, it's one of the best. It's one of the best things going. <laughs> it really is. I've caught you know five or six rabbits in one go. Yeah. Just put it in the box. Pull and break the necks. You know they're, they're clean. Just, just a you know great. I love it. Well, we have a little, have a little rhyme called strangle it, mangle it, dangle it, or tangle it. And um, out of all of them, the net is the most efficient thing. You know because you can lay it flat on the ground. You can use it in the sky. You can drop it into water. You can use it in a threefold dimension, and um, but it's such an unscrupulous thing, huh? Yeah. And um, soon get and and, uh, and accordingly illegal. <laughs> yeah. And Which I'm, is one of the problems. Um, our laws are so stringent in the UK. People would like to, uh, some people would like to see the real Stone Age, like hey, we got went and killed this and we did this, but actually in this country pretty much nothing that I would make would be legal to use no. so I'd have to go abroad to use it so consequently to that what I've done is I've um, redesigned myself around a, an identity which essentially is um, um, experimental archaeology so you know I've tried out I try out lots of different fibers to find out whether they work um, for binding yeah different things for blues um, I get interested in clay technology and looking at how things work. So it's all about 
if you wanted to look at it with from a sensible perspective you're dealing with engineering but you're dealing with an engineering from the pos from the perspective of planet earth so if you wanted to re-describe it it's earth craft yeah yeah and it's i actually was going to touch on that because that's one of those things that i read you know online about you and how you've been tweaking the science as it was and yeah and and, and testing the boundaries and why not because that you know that's what that's what our ancestors done and and that's how it, you know that's how we come that's how we are today i suppose um but it's that discovery that makes it just as good isn't it yeah if nothing else well the unfortunate thing about um, archaeology as such is you can put um, tweed jackets with leather shoulder pads on and brill cream on your head and bore the hell out of everybody by telling them the story. It used to be like that, you know, it was very, very grey in the face. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've prided myself on is bringing archaeology to life through a bit more action. Yeah. You know, actually getting in there and shaking off the dust from that perspective and I know very well now that the experience that I've created has been something that people value and can actually attach their minds to because it's accessible. Beats life isn't it? Yeah it's yeah, accessible it's you know it's accessible to anybody. That was a thing that not that I don't find it it's interesting but when I was when a friend of mine said my mate will he goes this, what do you think? I went, yeah, he's talked to him, because this is, like you said, you've got your, you've got your archaeologist, you know, that, that would, that would, you, you stand with what you think one of them, one of them person would be, a bit like an agronomist, boring, um, and then you've got you to the left of it, who's saying actually, if you come here, yeah, I'll show you. Well, I've got 130,000 people following me on social media yeah. platforms now, on Instagram, um, YouTube and a Facebook page. I've got a fan club on Facebook where people <laughs> actually that is awesome. put a little bit of money in to help me, support me with my journeys and um, the craft has actually paid my bills, it's paved the way and it's given me an accessible life Yeah. and um, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, so that's what it's about. The next stage of the journey um, so the Covid bit has slightly stood in my way but it didn't stop me to go going to Austria um, is that I decided I was going to go and visit every single archaeological site that's ever inspired me and some of them are absolutely um, so off off of them um, they are awesome yeah. with what they've got to say and um, so I thought well You've got about 30 in mind, and I thought, well, what you should do is you should do something called a prehistoric road trip, which I've already begun, and I've started putting them um, movies onto my social media platforms. And this is anything from visit, visiting caves to mining malachite out of the Great Orm copper mine and smelting it, in, smelting the malachite into copper, yeah. making a copper axe from it, going into caves where ochre is found. You know the stuff they painted yeah. the cave walls yeah, with, yeah. naturally mining ochre from deep in the ground, and so I'm having some extraordinary experiences, really extraordinary yeah, experiences. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Especially when that's your passion. That's just a double bubble, isn't it? 
yeah. that's feeding that itch which you love so much and actually it's, it's keeping the roof over your head at the same time. Well it's all doing that and um, hopefully it's enjoyable for people to watch. Yeah. And you're saying, I, I, um, like I, said, I saw on social media your, your Austria trip and, 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 your, and, your, and your caves, um, yeah. which, which looked fabulous. Yeah, no, it's... And so, the, the, yeah, that's currently how things stand in the life of Will Lord. Yeah. So, thanks for watching. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, and uh, share the hell out of the uh, podcast. Like I said, without you guys, I can't make this happen. And especially, I can't, you know, without Will, I couldn't have made this episode happen. So, thank you all very much for your time. And thank you very much for your comments. Um, I enjoy reading them like, when I get them, and I enjoy reading the emails when I get them too. Um, for any info in the episode, you can check out the links below, um, either for myself or for, for Will's websites and his courses and bits and pieces. But apart from that, the only thing I've got to say is Merry Christmas, and I will see you later on in the new year. Ta-da!